From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Now we're going to talk with an upstate nurse about health care for vulnerable populations. In the studio with me is Diane Nano. She's a clinical nurse specialist and director of transitional care at Upstate. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Amber. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start by explaining for our listeners what is transitional care. So transitional care um, broadly is really how we transition patients across the continuum. Um, so typically we talk about when patients um, are in the hospital and then how they, how they move um, with really the, the goal or objective of seamlessly to the next setting, whether it be home, whether it be home with services, whether it's to a skilled nursing facility, really anywhere that a patient might go. Um, and that um, and that the patient has the the, the right care um, to be taken care of after the hospital that they understand their health condition that they have access to and understand their medications and any treatments that they have and that they have wraparound services that that they need um, really with the goal of um, the best outcome with reducing uh, readmissions to the hospital and really reducing necessary emergency department visits. Okay, so that they um, leave the hospital and and go on to continue healing um, and getting better on their own at home or like you mentioned, a nursing home or something. Right, right. And really, we also look at the patient experience. Just, you know, the, the more comfortable somebody feels in taking care of themselves or in the setting that's taking care of them, the, the less likely they would be to have a poor outcome. Okay. Well, that seems like a tall order for any patient, let alone someone um, that's in poverty. So let's right. talk about poverty and how that affects someone's, well, really their hospital stay and, and then the whole continuum. Um, what does poverty do to that equation? Sure. So um, there, was, there was actually a recent, um, a recent article in the Journal of the American Medical Association that says, that really says that there's a, there's a difference in life expectancy with some, in somebody on the poverty, um, in poverty level of 10 to 15 years, which certainly um, is significant. And when you look at our, our region and um, the city of Syracuse, if we're looking at that, um, we have a very high rate of poverty with about a, a third of Syracuse, city of Syracuse, living below the poverty level. So as, as you can see, we're, um, we, we really take care of a, a, a large That's portion. That's a big portion. So what are the reasons for a 10 to 15 year less lifespan for someone living in poverty? Is it because they can't afford medicines that are prescribed or can't afford health care or can't afford food, proper food? All of those things? All of those things. So it's interesting because poverty is described as, as a cause and a consequence of, of poor health. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes uh, people are in be- poor health because of their poverty, or some people, you know, uh, may be below the poverty line because of poor health. It doesn't really matter what causes what, but we, there's definitely causality with these social determinants. So as you mentioned, um, things like access to health care, low, under um, insurance, uh, underinsured or no insurance at all, um, really inadequate housing, homelessness, um, lack of informal supports, 
low literacy, um, low numeracy. So if you send someone home with a dosage of medication, they may not understand what that means. Um, violence, um, we know that within our city, limits violence is, is really a real problem for us. Um, with, um, with women, um, women can have inadequate prenatal care because of all the, the things that uh, I just men mentioned. And people within the poverty um, level tend to have um, babies with lower birth weights. Mm -hmm. Poor nutrition, access to medication, as, as you mentioned. Um, there's something called toxic stress that just living in a, in a uh, poverty environment can cause. Um, and, you know, toxic environments like poor sanitation, um, water that um, is, not, um, is not what it should be, education can be sub-poor, people who are, live within poverty are more likely to smoke, um, dangerous neighborhoods, as we mentioned, there's a higher rate of obesity, um, there is a problem, especially within the inner city, of lead-contaminated water, um, dental and vision disparities in children, lack of preventative care, there's more chronic disease, um, tends to be lower physical activity and higher rates of addiction. Mm. So if you look at zip codes um, where we know that poverty exists within, the within Syracuse proper, um, within certain zip codes, people are two and a half times more likely to be admitted to the hospital. So once someone is admitted, um, for, for whatever reason, um, if they have, end up having surgery or they have to stay for days or weeks, um, how do you prepare to discharge that person if they don't have a home to return to? What, I mean, you're up against, what do you do right. for that person? So that's why it's, um, it's critically important for us to invite our community partners to, to partner with us um, to help to take care of these people and to really try to help them to have the best outcomes possible. So we've, we've done a couple of different things. One thing we've done is invite our community partners into the hospital. So we're embedding um, community partners. Um, who, who are the community us. partners? So, um, so we have, um, there's something called Health Home, and I, I'll explain a little bit about what that is. So those are um, care managers. There are two lead health homes in our area. St. Joseph's is one of them. CERCARE is the other. Um, we're primarily um, partnering with, with the, the embedded care manager um, with CERCARE, where we have a CERCARE care manager actually come into the hospital, we give them space in the hospital, and they help us to manage um, these folks. So um, they go out to the communities, they help with things like housing and transportation and food and access to medical care, they help to get people to their primary care appointments and things like that. So that's certainly a piece of it. In addition to that, we, are, we partner with our shelters, so the Rescue Mission and Salvation Army. Certainly we partner with um, home care agencies such as the Visiting Nurse Association, HCR Home Care, St. Camilla's Home Care, just really to name a few. Um, and another important partner of, us is, of ours is hospice, um, specifically hospice of central New York in this county, but also um, we serve 17 counties, so all of the outlying areas as well. So, um, so, we, so we know that we can control just so much about what happens when people 
uh, leave the hospital and really sort of tee them up for um, good outcomes. But it's really very important for our community agencies to be part of that plan of care and to help um, and to help take care of folks really where they live. Interesting. All right. Well, what types of services um, are available here in central New York? Sure. So um, so there's uh, transportation. Um, there's the health home that um, that I mentioned. There is um, home health. So it's a little bit confusing. Neither of them is a home. <laughs> um, so, but home health really um, takes care of the clinically complex patients. So patients who who go home with maybe complex wounds, complex um, medication regimens. Um, really, you know, uh, a lot of education, really the clinical piece of it. So they can provide nursing, they can provide physical and occupational therapy, they can provide aid service, nutrition services, social work um, at home, and they, they can also work in concert with the health home that I mentioned. There are also things like medical daycare, um, or medical uh, medical day programs where when people have very complex um, care that they can they can they can actually go to a medical day program and have their medications managed and wounds managed diabetes things like that um, that's really important okay skilled nursing facilities so we partner with um, with a variety of skilled nursing facilities that um, that really help to provide care with us. And we're also looking at what the handoff looks like. So when people are going from the hospital to another facility, whether it be skilled nursing or home care or the others, that we're really painting a very clear picture of what that, what that person needs when they go to the next setting um, in order, again, to, to help them have the best outcomes. Um, Another example is we work with a lot of, um, with a really a, a large number of resettled refugees. Hmm. So we, um, we work with uh, refugee coalitions and groups to really help to understand um, and really address cultural language needs, um, that type of thing. And certainly the housing and, and the education, all of those pieces are really important. It's also um, really key for us to help those folks learn how to navigate our system because e- even things like transportation is, is uh, a very hard thing for folks to understand. Oh, I imagine. Yes, right. yes. Um, another very important piece of, of what we do is making sure that people have access to behavioral and mental health services. So community partners such as CMY Services, Liberty Resources, and certainly our own um, psychiatric um, care is very key um, for us to make sure that people are connected with and connected in a very timely manner so their medications can be, um, can be uh, monitored. Um, primary care. So we have, we have some of our own primary care. So um, we've got primary care within our network, but we're also uh, partnering with other primary care, such as Syracuse Community Health Center, is a very important um, partner for us. And the primary care is to help, hopefully, offer preventive services to keep people healthier. Correct. And out of crisis. Yes. Right? Yes. 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 
I've heard um, Upstate University Hospital referred to as a safety net hospital. What does that mean? So we serve a large um, portion of the Medicaid population. So this, this poverty that we've been talking about, um, the, the population that, that Upstate serves is about 35% Medicaid, and that doesn't even include those who are uninsured. So tell me about the programs that Upstate has to help address this. The first is what we call our in- intensive transitions team. The team consists of social workers, case managers, and a nurse practitioner. And what they do is they they create a cross-setting care plan with our community partners to address what makes that person most at risk. They're wrapping around those services. They're also making home visits. They're accompanying patients to primary care appointments. They're handing off to home care, health home, and they follow that patient from um, 30 to 45 days post-discharge to just to ensure that those services are in place, that they're meeting the needs, um, and they're bringing in other services as needed. Great. Great. Yes. So another program, really, that I'd like to highlight is we've got a, an emergency department navigator in place and who is a social worker, and her primary purpose is really to connect people who are not connected with primary care, with a primary care uh, provider. Okay. In addition, we have a pain task force um, that is actually led by our assistant director of of, uh, transitional care. The pain task force really looks at um, addiction, um, specifically opioids, and uh, which which we know is a huge huge issue issue in our community, really nationwide, um, but certainly in our community um, to really look at connecting people to programs um, that can can both identify when there's an opioid addiction, but also really help us to prevent those addictions and get people connected to services. And then the fourth that I think is important to highlight is um, called VPOP. So it's Violence Education Prevention Outreach Program. When, when patients come in, we are providing them with services, social work, um, physicians, trauma physicians, to really um, aim at decreasing the rate of recidivism around violent trauma. So, um, so, and we actually just hired a social worker who's specific to this, um, to this program that's go- going to be making home visits along with others to really, um, to really help get people connected particular, really everyone, but in, in particular young people um, with, with education, with, with that type of thing, um, along with our community partners. Well, yes. thank you for being here. I appreciate it. My guest has been Upstate Nurse Diane Nano, a clinical nurse specialist and director of transitional care at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.